0: Good morning, church family. We are so glad that you guys are joining us remotely um, from your homes. Hope you guys are comfortable this morning. Um, and if you guys are watching this delayed, we welcome you guys as well. At this point, again, we're not going to be having any church activities at the building, but we look forward to meeting again as soon as we can. Um, we will keep giving you guys updated information whenever decisions are made through email and the church website and the Facebook page. Um, if you have any sort of questions or a need or you know of a need, please contact the church office by phone or by email. Um, and you can find all our contact information on the church website at cbchillsboro.com. Um, Thank you for continuing to give to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering um, for North American missions. Our church goal is $5,000 and we've received $2,980 so far. You can drop off your gift um, at the church office. You can mail it in um, to the P.O. Box, which is P.O. Box 263 in Hillsborough, um, or you can give online at our website, which is again, cbchillsborough.com. And we just have a link that It'll take you to the giving page that you can do online. We're starting to use something um, with this being all remote. We thought it would be cool if we could start um, bringing the scripture and the sermon points um, into your home directly. So if you have the YouVersion Bible app, if you will open that up. Um, and go to the More tab, which is in the bottom right-hand corner, you should see another tab on that page that says Events. When you open that up, if you've never used that before, it'll ask you to allow um, location services to work. You're going to want to allow that so that it'll look around in the area. When you do that, our church should pop up. You should see Central Baptist Church Sunday morning service. Um, and if you open that up, you've got Pastor Darryl's, um key text this morning, which is coming from Matthew chapter 5, along with the three sermon points. So you get a little preview um, into that. Um, But we just thought that this would be a cool thing to utilize since you guys are at home remotely. I know that probably most of you are using a phone, but probably most of you also have multiple phones. So pull it up on one um, and use it that way. We'll probably also be using this um, when we post our Sunday school lessons um, later today so that you can follow along with the scripture from those lessons as well. Um, So yeah, that's the Uversion Bible app. It's free. You don't even really need an account to do it. Um, it's all just through the YouVersion Bible app. As we begin to worship this morning, let's focus our thoughts and affections on and towards God. As Austin and Natalie come, take a moment, bow your head, and ask God to speak to you.
1: to worship the one true God, the God who never changes. Um, In the book of Psalms, uh, chapter 34, verse 1, we read this. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And even as Job faced all kinds of trials in, uh, in scripture, we hear this from him. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Would you join us as we sing that truth this morning together.
2: Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thank the Lord for his comfort in difficult times. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful for your comfort. We thank you that we can bless and praise your name and know that you're a God who gives and takes away, but ultimately you're always in control. So bless our time of worship together this morning. Thank you for those who've gathered around their phones and computers and um, just come to worship together with us. Open our hearts today uh, to worship you and uh, in the depths of our souls, speak to you uh, songs and words of praise. Bless us as we open your word together. May we find a fresh encouragement there, new challenge for our hearts and our lives. Thank you for those who've come this morning to help lead in worship. We ask your blessings on them. We continue to pray for our medical professionals, our leaders, uh, those families who have been affected, all who just need your special hand and touch. God, we lift them to you, praying that you might bring comfort and strength. And uh, we pray for healing. We pray for an end to this pandemic. And in the meantime, Lord, we just uh, look to you for hope and comfort and encouragement. We love you and we thank you for loving us and for being faithful to us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Glad that you're with us again this morning. uh, Two weeks now. We don't know how many more. Hopefully soon we'll be back together. But we're glad you've gathered to worship. We look forward to this time to continue to sing God's praises. The Sunday school lessons, the Connect Group lessons that were supposed to be up this morning, we had some issues with that, but hopefully we'll get them up soon. You'll be able to uh, to look at those, and we appreciate the guys who took the time to record those for us. At this time, Miss Natalie's going to come, so kids, gather around, and here she is.
1: All right, well, I know you've been working on some homeschooling this week, working really hard, so I'm going to give you a word of the day today, okay? So take a look. This word is mourn, M-O-U-R-N, and it's not a word that we see really often. Um, to mourn means to be sad, um, but it's not just a sadness like, Outside, stub my toe kind of sadness. It's a really deep sadness. Um, we use this word mourn most often when we're talking about losing someone um, to death, someone we love, or with something really hard happens in our life. It's that kind of deep hurt when we talk about the word mourn. And we find it in our scripture this morning in a kind of strange place. Um, if you have your um, version app um, out, or if you have your Bible handy, go ahead and get it because you're going to need it um, later for our sermon time with Brother Darrell. We're going to look in Matthew, um, chapter five. Now, if you're one of my team kids, well, even the rest of you, hopefully have learned this as well, but Matthew is the first book in the new Testament. So find that one for me, chapter five. And, um, here Jesus is teaching what we call the sermon on the Mount. And, uh, this, he was teaching to this group of people on the mountainside and he begins with this passage that we call the Beatitudes. And if, um, parents, while I'm thinking about it, if you haven't, please find our, um, Central Baptist Hillsboro Children's Ministry Facebook page. I have some things that are going to come up this afternoon, some extra um, things about the Beatitudes that you can do with your kids this week to kind of reinforce these things we're learning today. Um, But in this passage, he talks about these different people that are blessed, different types. And some of them don't seem on the surface like people that we would consider to be blessed. The first one he gives us in verse 3 says, blessed are the poor in spirit, uh, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we don't always think of those who are poor in spirit as being blessed. But our verse today is um, in verse four, it says, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Now we don't think usually of mourning and sadness as being a blessing. Um, Usually we want to be happy and we want to be comfortable. And to be comfortable, most of us in our human worlds think, well, we should avoid things that are uncomfortable because that's the opposite of comfortable, right? Uncomfortable. But God's word teaches us something different. Sometimes um, when we have that deep hurt and we have that sadness in our lives, we have some choices to make. We can choose to ignore it. We can and choose to fill up our lives with other things and pretend like it's not there. But God tells us, don't do that. Take that morning and run to me for comfort. See, that blessing comes from being comforted by the one true God, the comforter who can give you something that no one else in this world can. So next time you're feeling those feelings of sadness, that deep mourning, that hurt um, in your soul, uh, don't sit in it. Try to do it by yourself. Don't try to hide from it or ignore it. Take those feelings to God. Um, run to his arms for that comfort. Okay. Like it talks about in Matthew chapter five. Now listen well this morning, we'll be singing some more about this truth, Brother Daryl's going to share some more about this truth. So I want you to listen well um, from your homes and learn something new and special from God's word today. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much um, for the love that you show us, for being the ultimate comforter, for giving us the Holy Spirit um, to work in our hearts and lives. And I pray um, that our children, our families will listen well this morning, that this can be a blessed time of worship together, um, that they won't be distracted by other things, but will focus on you this morning. And we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. to write some and share some really hard truths um, with people. But the weeping prophet Jeremiah in the book of Lamentations writes this, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Let's sing that truth this morning as we sing great is thy faithfulness.
3: No gain or
4: loss we know could keep us from your love. No sickness, no secret, no chain is strong enough to keep us from your love. To keep us from Thank sure.
2: Amen. Thank you, Natalie and Austin. And we also have uh, Dr. Jim is here today and Dr. Jeremy is here today playing for us. Brooke and Catherine are back there. So we have a little bit of an audience this morning. So we're grateful for those guys. And I'm very thankful for our staff. Uh, They're doing a great job. We appreciate them. Matthew chapter five is our scripture today. Do you believe in the law of the pendulum? I heard about a college student who was in a speech class. He decided to give a speech on the law of the pendulum. So he came into class that day, and he had made a makeshift pendulum. He put a string up on the blackboard, and the string came down with a weight on the end of it, and then he put it up here and let it go, and it swung back and forth and back and forth, and each time it reached its apex on one side, he took a piece of chalk and marked that, and then the other side, and the other side, and the other side, until finally... It stopped in the middle because of gravity and friction. And so he looked at the audience and he said, Do you believe in the law of the pendulum? And they all raised their hand. Yes, we believe. It's obvious. We've seen it in action. So then he looked up to the ceiling and up in the ceiling he had hung a rope. And on the end of this rope was a big weight. And he asked the professor to come forward. The professor came forward and he stood him right beside the chalkboard and he pulled the weight right up next to the professor's nose. And he said to them, do you still believe in the law of the pendulum? And they let it go. And you know, the law is that the pendulum will never go farther than it's already been because of gravity and friction. And so the large weight swung out and it came back and... Did the professor find out whether the law was true? No, he got out of there. He didn't really believe the law of the pendulum. You see, as Christians, a lot of times we say what we believe and we proclaim what we believe, but we really don't know until we get into times when the weight's swinging toward us, when we're going through difficulty. Now, Jesus is traveling about He's just begun his ministry. He's going all through Galilee and the known parts of the world at that time. And the Bible says he's proclaiming the gospel. And they've never heard anyone speak like Jesus. And he's healing people and people are bringing their relatives and their friends to him left and right. And the crowd is growing and growing and growing. And finally, he gets all this crowd together and he walks up on the side of a mountain or a hill and he begins to preach. And you know the sermon as the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon that was ever preached. And he begins by looking at that crowd and he says to them in verse 3 of chapter 5, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And in the next verse he says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. It kind of goes right together because the word for poor in spirit, the word poor there means to be bankrupt. It doesn't mean to have a little bit or a tiny bit. It means to have nothing, zero, zilch. It means that Blessed are those of us who've realized that we have nothing to offer God, that we need Him desperately to reach down to us, and that Jesus has done that. He has has taken our bankruptcy, and when we trust in Him, He's filled our lives with His riches. But then He says, Blessed are those who mourn. And that follows closely after that because when Jesus comes to fill the emptiness of our soul with His riches, then we begin to mourn over things that make God mourn and we begin to see things more the way God sees them. This beatitude says that God blesses us in unpleasant circumstances and when there's no peace and prosperity. We're rolling along and People are bragging on the economy and everything is great and the employment's slow and all of these things. And then boom, all of a sudden, things begin to fall apart and peace and prosperity is not here anymore. And Jesus said, hey, that's a blessed time. You're right where I want you to be. What an incredible statement that is. Happy are the sad. Jesus kind of widened the gulf that day between those who were just curiosity seekers and those who were wanting something for themselves and Those who would really follow. The Jews thought, maybe he's our guy. They were tired of paying taxes to the Romans. They were tired of being oppressed. And he was a good speaker. And he did these miraculous things. And they thought, maybe that's our guy. But then Jesus started talking about more difficult things. And following him. And the law not being able to save. And they walked away. They didn't want him anymore. Some people think of the Sermon on the Mount. As just a philosophy for life. But any of us who live long enough are going to realize that there's going to come a time when it's going to have to move from philosophy like the pendulum that was swinging swinging to reality. I read a story about a lady in a small village and in that village in another country, they were very poor and she was having a difficult time and she was always moaning and complaining and She went to the missionary's house and she couldn't understand why she had had such a hard time. And the missionary said to her, go get a bowl out of your house and take that bowl to every house and knock on every door. And ask the head of the household to give you every head of the household where there's been no sorrow to give you a grain of rice. Well, she went and made the rounds and she came back with an empty bowl. You know, everybody goes through difficulty. And when you think about this, I want you to look with me a little closer at this beatitude of Jesus. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are they who mourn. That's a paradox. Examine the paradox of what he said here. It doesn't seem right. Someone put it this way. There are times when we face life with an empty bowl and Jesus fills it with a paradox. Paradox what in the world could he mean, blessed are those who mourn? It doesn't make sense. How do you gain that concept? How do you look at someone who's going through a tragedy or difficulty and say, you're blessed, you ought to be happy. The word blessed means to be happy, to be congratulated. Congratulations on your difficulty. That's a hard thing to do. Who would rejoice because a person failed? Well, (laughs) the person who was mean-spirited, I suppose, would, but That's not normal. We think of happiness in our world and success as synonymous things. They go together. We buy things with a money-back guarantee. Some of you have probably been watching more TV than usual because you've been cooped up in the house. Have you you watched any of those ads for things that you buy on TV and they all come with a money-back guarantee and they say, if you're not completely satisfied, we will gladly refund your money. Well, They're probably not as glad about it as they pretend to be. But that's the way we want to have things in our world. We want a life with money back guarantee, but we know it really doesn't work that way. Life throws things at you. And if you don't know God, you have to deal with it on your own. And that makes it even worse. Sometimes we just harden our heart toward things. Someone... uh, reworked the proverb and, or the beatitude and they said, happy are the hard-boiled for they never let life hurt them. It's okay to understand and, and to have a sense of hurt or a sense of mourning or, or a sense of uncertainty or even a sense of fear. Jesus says, happy are they who mourn, blessed are they who mourn because there's purpose in that. And that's the second thing I want you to see with me this morning. Examine the paradox. Sure, there's a paradox. How do you congratulate someone who's going through difficulty? Jesus said, because there's a purpose in that. He wants um, us to embrace the purpose of God. The word mourn here, as Natalie said earlier, it's a very strong word. It means more than just being upset. It, It means one who laments before God, who is saddened in heart and in his soul. Some people are sad because we're missing things. We're we're sad because let's face it, our world is built around, especially in the United States and pretty much all over the world. We're, our world is built on entertainment. That's gone except for, thank goodness, we have uh, cable and satellite and online streaming and all those things today. So you get all that stuff in your house if you can afford to pay for it. And You know, when I was a kid, we had three channels and a Indian that came on at night. You remember that. But anyway, that was how it was. And then uh, so we've had our entertainment taken away. We can't go places. We can't go to the movies. You can't go to sporting events anymore. Even the kids aren't able to play their sports. And I know that's really tough on a lot of families. A lot of people are having difficult finan- difficulty financially and man, our hearts go out to those people. When the rug is pulled out from under us, how do we react to that? A lot of times We mourn because of self-pity. Jesus said, blessed are they who mourn. One of the commentators I read says, Jesus didn't say, blessed are they who moan. We tend to moan because we want things the way we want them, but there's purpose in that. I want you to see the difference in a couple of people with me. If you remember the Old Testament, you remember David and Saul. And you remember David was not perfect, but God called him a man after his own heart. And when David sinned, and he did many times, he learned to repent and trust in God. When David sinned with Bathsheba, he was confronted and he went to God in prayer. And if you look in Psalm 51, he cries out to God. He says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your great compassion, blot out my many transgressions, Wash away my iniquities and cleanse me from my sin. Make me to know joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Return unto me the joy of your salvation and renew a right spirit within me. He cried out to God. When Jesus said, Blessed are they who mourn, part of what he was talking about is is being blessed because we learn to mourn over our own sin and the sin of our world. We learn to refocus our attention on God and maybe not be so distracted in the world in which we live but David had a predecessor Saul you remember Saul God called him and he was uh, head and shoulders above every other man he was a tall he was handsome and he was surely going to be the greatest leader of all then he disobeyed God And Samuel confronted him and he said, because you're disobedient, God is removing the kingdom from you and he's giving it to a man after his own heart. And as the kingdom began to slip away from Saul more and more and more, he became more desperate. He gathered his men around him. He was upset that Jonathan, his son, was friends with David. David, who was trying to take over his kingdom and he looked at all of his men and he said, none of you guys even feel sorry for me. He was full of self-pity. David was imperfect but repentant. Saul was full of self-pity and unrepentant. And that was the difference in the way that they saw the difficulties of life that went on for them. King Saul was selfish. But it wasn't very far from where David was or from where Saul was that there was a young man who knelt in a garden and he cried out to God and he said, Father, if it could be your will, please let this cup, this terrible cup pass from me. He didn't want to drink the dregs of that cup, but he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. There was purpose in his suffering. There was purpose in the lashes. There was purpose in the cross. There was purpose in the, what he would go through and come out on the other side victorious for your sake and mine. Jesus is the most selfless person who ever lived, and so Jesus says, it only follows that my followers would be selfless as as well. When you think about two things that happened that day when he was in the garden, one of the things was that, you remember Peter, James, and John, he took them further into the garden with him, and he said, stay here and pray. And he came back two times, and what were they doing? They were asleep. They were sleeping at his most critical time, they were asleep. But the the Bible also says that an angel came and strengthened him and ministered to him. You know, the word angel means messenger. There are two things we can do in times of crisis and difficulty. As Christians, we can either sleep like the disciples did or we can be an angel, a messenger of hope to other people. That's part of what we're called to do. Blessed are those who mourn. They shall be comforted, but they shall also comfort other people. Has this time made you, I think probably it's made most of us, more aware of the difficulties that go on in our world and the real meaning of life. We learn to mourn for our children, our relatives, our loved ones, and the lost people around us, and that there's a purpose in this. I don't understand it all or how it's all going to play out, but I do know this as Christians, it ought to heighten our awareness of our responsibility before God. Cornelius you remember Cornelius the centurion he was moved he mourned for a, a greater relationship to god but jesus had to do a big work in peter's life to get him from being prejudiced against those dirty gentiles and get him off the rooftop and over to cornelius house so he could share the gospel with him it was a it was a time of testing whether peter really believed what Jesus had told him. But he did it. And God changed the lives of Cornelius and he changed Peter's life in the process. So not only will God use us to help others, but he'll continue to change us. But I want you to notice one more thing with me. Examine the paradox. Embrace the purpose of that to refocus our lives and finally enjoy the new perspective that God gives us. As we see God's hand at work, we're caught up in a new perspective. In Isaiah chapter 6, there's a familiar story there about Isaiah. King King Uzziah had been reigning in Jerusalem or in in Israel for 52 years. He'd been reigning. Isaiah came to the temple. And when he came to the temple in chapter 6, it says, in the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of His robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above Him, each having six wings. With two He covered His face, and with two He covered His feet, and with two He flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of Him who called out, while the temple was filling with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined because I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah had a moment there of realizing his own sin and the sin all around him. And it was a wake up call for him. But look what happens in the grace of God. In verse 6, it says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. Isaiah is going through uncertain times. Here's a man who's been on the throne for 52 years. Everything seems to have been fine and now there's chaos. And so he does the natural things as a follower of God. He goes to the temple to pray and there he encounters God and his whole life, his whole perspective changes. That's the way it is when we embrace the new perspective that God gives us. Jesus said, Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh in Luke chapter 6 and verse 21 blessed are you who weep now for you shall laugh he's not talking about laughing at a joke he's not talking about laughing at the expense of someone else because they tripped over the crack in the sidewalk or something like that he's talking about a depth of joy and laughter that comes only from knowing that god really is in control that he really does change and make a difference in lives a difference in our lives think about that with me jesus said to those who would listen to him in the gospel of John, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. Think about Abraham. That poor man left his home. God said, just go. He didn't even tell him where he was going. He left his home and he wandered around and he never really received the promise. That promise wasn't received till long after he died but he rejoiced to see the day of Jesus. There was laughter in the heart and in the mind of Abraham when Christ came, when Jesus came and gave his life and was raised. He rejoiced to see his day. And think about Isaiah that we talked about. Isaiah wrote in his prophecy in Isaiah chapter 53, he said, All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, but the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Do you think Isaiah rejoiced? Do you think he laughed with a a holy laughter when Jesus came into the world and took our sins away on the cross and was raised from the dead? That's a holy laughter. Do you think about David who struggled with sin and yet kept seeking God and God promised him there'll never be, you'll always have someone to reign on your throne. Do you think David laughed with a holy laughter when Jesus took his place at the right hand of the Father. Of course, he turns our mourning into laughter, our gloom into joy. You know, the Bible says that he turns our mourning into dancing. Hard to believe as a Baptist, right? But maybe we can even do that. When we think about the joy and the perspective of life that he gives us, I want to finish by telling you this little story about examining this paradox. Happy are the sad. Embracing the purpose to, to help us to look beyond the end of our nose and see the needs around us and to enjoy a new perspective. There was a man who lived in a small village, a farming community. This was a story written in a novel he lived in this small community and he had a dog. And the dog got loose one day. It was a mean dog. And it got loose and he ta- attacked a little boy. And the little boy died. The whole community turned on this man. I mean, they just ostracized him. Nobody wanted anything to do with him. He was suffering in his own right because he felt so guilty and so sad for what had happened. As I said, it was a farming community. They were going through a time of drought. And people would plant. And the seed would blow away. Nothing would grow. And this man whose dog had killed the little boy, he went out and planted the last seed that he had. And the sun came and the wind blew. And it blew it all away. And there was no hope for him to have a crop. But then one night while everybody was sleeping, the man whose son had died went to the man's field whose dog had killed his son and planted his own seed in that field. And when the neighbors found out, they couldn't believe it, they came to him and said, why would you do such a thing for a man whose dog killed your son and this terrible person who let this happen? And the man looked at his neighbors and he said, I did it because I couldn't let God die in my heart. Isn't that a picture of what Jesus does for us. You see, our sin sent Him to the cross. And yet, He has given us new life because of His grace and His goodness. So yeah, it's an uncertain time. and To hear things like, be happy because you're sad is hard. But there's purpose in that. And when we see that, we can enjoy the new perspective. This week, find somebody to minister to. Find a way to reach out. I know so many of you have. I've heard so many great stories of how you're helping one another and how you're blessing other people and continue to do that. Continue to focus on the Lord. Are we ever going to understand everything that happens? No, we'd be God if we did. But God is at work. And I do want to encourage you again, just as I did last week. I just want to say to you, going back to that first beatitude where Jesus said, blessed are those poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If you want to be part of the kingdom of heaven, you have to realize your own bankruptcy. Turn from your sin and trust in Christ. And he will take your bankruptcy, your emptiness and fill it with his riches. You can trust him to do that. Let's bow for prayer. Father, thank you for This beatitude, blessed are they who mourn, who mourn over the things that grieve your heart, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who weep now, for they will laugh. We thank you, Lord, that in the midst of difficulties, there will come a time of laughter. And as we reach out and as we think about whether we want to be sleeping disciples or messengers of hope. Help us to be messengers of hope in this coming week. I pray for uh, anyone out there, a man, a woman, or a boy or a girl who's never trusted in Jesus, that today would be their day when they say, Lord, I bring myself to you empty. Fill me with your riches. Bless this time now as we sing and just commit ourselves to you for this coming week. We love you and we praise you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
4: of sadness from wherever you've been, come brokenhearted, let rescue begin, come find your mercy, oh sinner come kneel, earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal, earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. There's hope for the hopeless, and all those who've strayed, come sit at the table, come taste the grace, there's rest for the weary, rest that endures.
2: Thank you again for joining us this morning. Let me remind you of a couple of things. If you need anything at all, don't hesitate to call us here at the church, 254-582-2370. Or you can email churchoffice at cbc-hillsborough.com. Also, you can give, uh, you can drop your uh, gifts by here, your offerings uh, for Annie Armstrong or for budget. Uh, There is a box in the office You don't even have to come in and have contact with anybody if you'd like to. Or if you want to call when you get here, we'll come out and get it. Uh, You can mail it, of course. You can give online. However, you want to do that. Uh, We're going to say our verse together, our benediction verse. And then we look forward to seeing you as soon as possible. Let's uh, say our verse together. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And God's people said, Amen. See you soon.